Hey everybody, it's Friday, May 3rd, and today I have two stories to unpack and explain for you. First, I need to tell you about a brilliant young brother in Maryland named Tyreek Hudson, who was just murdered in what appears to be a hate crime that happened right outside of his home. In the weeks before Tyreek was murdered, he attempted to file a protective order against his neighbor, but guess what? The judge denied it. Next, I have some action steps for us to all take together, not just on Tyreek's case, but on another peculiar case of injustice in Tennessee, where a conservative staffer of the legislature, of the Speaker of the House, actually, just tried to frame, yes, frame a young activist with fake evidence of a crime. It's crazy. I'm going to break it all down for you. Let's dig in. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. My wife and I have five kids, and in just a few months, and this is hard to believe, our oldest is going to turn 20 years old. And this first story that I need to break down hits so close to home because it's about a 22-year-old young man named Tyreek Hudson. His friends called him TJ, and he literally just got his first apartment on his own after graduating from North Carolina A&T. And he was brilliant. He had just completed a five-year engineering program in four years and was a gifted software engineer. Everybody who knew Tyreek loved him. He was his mother's only child. And like so many black mothers, she kept him as close to her as humanly possible her entire life taking him to church and just showering him with love. His friends describe him as humble and gentle. He moved away from North Carolina this past year to Maryland after he was offered an engineering job in Annapolis. His supervisor, Angela Shields, there at his new job, said this about him, quote, TJ was a bright, promising engineer. He had enthusiasm to tackle any assignment he had incredible skill to solve any problem put in front of him, and he had a willingness to help anyone. End of quote. And I have to break something down right here for our listeners. Break it down. The energy and effort and dedication and emotion required to raise a black boy in the United States of America and to see him through elementary school where black boys are suspended more than any other child in the nation, even though behavior patterns are the exact same. To see him through middle school and high school, where arrest records are higher than every other child in the nation, where, as we saw with young Luca in Florida, where police brutality becomes a painful reality, where, as we saw with Trayvon Martin, racist confrontations become a painful reality. To raise a black boy from birth through elementary school, through middle school, through high school, then to get that young man to college safely, then through college with a degree, then get that young man hired by a top company in a nation that hires white men with criminal records at the same rate as black men with college degrees and no criminal records to get that young man all the way through college and into a job 
and to move that young brother out of the house and up to a new state is a miracle. It is an exhausting, painful marathon of a miracle that only some of my listeners will understand. The fear, the worry, the concern, that racism, that mass incarceration, that police brutality, that gun violence might visit your baby boy at any moment is a uniquely black experience. And for you to get your son all the way through that gauntlet, through every pitfall, through all the traps around him, to get him all the way to his first apartment, only for him to be confronted and murdered by a white bigot at home, I must admit is about as deflating as anything I've heard in a very long time. In August, T.J. Hudson moved to Glen Burnie, Maryland to take that software job in Annapolis. And he liked his apartment enough. But this past February, when he was simply walking up the steps to his home, a mangy, middle-aged white man stared right at T.J. in the hallway and asked him if he lived there in the apartment. Then looked T.J. right in the eyes and said, you knew this day was coming. Then the man, this is in February, the man made a motion with his fingers that we've all seen before. The man with his fingers did the next slitting motion, looked at TJ, then walked up to his own apartment. TJ, of course, was terrified. He called his dad, then he called 911. TJ then took the extra step. And on February 16th of this year, he filed an emergency protective order against his neighbor. And three days later, the judge denied it. TJ and his family were so shook by the incident that they went ahead and prepared to move him out of the apartment. But the apartment then refused to let him out of his lease in spite of the issue. Then sure enough, just two weeks ago, on the morning of April 15th, 2019, at 7 a.m. in the morning, as TJ was up bright and early to go to work, that old mangy-ass white man, James Verenbeck, who seems to have just been waiting for TJ to come out of the apartment, came right out of his and shot and killed TJ right there in the stairwell. No confrontation, just shot and killed him. Just think for a moment if the judge had granted the protective order if the apartment complex had allowed TJ out of his lease, he might be alive today. Then, for 10 hours, James Verenbeck barricaded himself in his apartment while police patiently waited for him and took him out of that apartment without injury. Now, I've said this before. I'm not asking police to shoot and kill James Verenbeck. But it continues to boil my blood every single day in this country when I see him, an armed murderer with a deep history of violence, given 10 hours to get out of his apartment. When I see black men, women, boys and girls unarmed and nonviolent 
with no criminal history treated like terrorists. Listen, in moments like this, I wish I could end this story with some good news. I don't have that. But at the end of this episode, I do have some action steps for us, okay? Which takes me to our next story. Sorry, I had to give myself a little break after that last segment. I want to talk to you a little bit about young activists because young activists across the country are the lifeblood of change. They fuel every movement for change. They always have. They are the protesters, the demonstrators, the rabble-rousers, the marchers. They are the ones who are confronting problematic people and corporations, often right to their faces, and telling them about themselves. They fueled the Black Lives Matter movement. They fuel the environmental movements going on right now. They fuel the gun reform movement. Whatever movements we have in this country and around the world, Young people are always on the front lines, pushing the envelope. And that's exactly what's been happening in Nashville, Tennessee, with activists who've been pushing and demanding for so many essential reforms there, for voting reforms, for criminal justice reforms, and more. And one of those activists is actually a seminary student, a young man in grad school at Vanderbilt Divinity School named Justin Jones. Justin, after a protest of the Speaker of the House there in Tennessee, Glenn Casada, ended up actually getting banned from the Tennessee State Capitol. And as part of that ban, he was not allowed to have any contact whatsoever with the Speaker of the House. And this is where it gets really crazy. Justin, the young student, the young organizer and activist who was banned from the Tennessee State Capitol, Justin decided to honor that ban or else there would be criminal consequences. So Justin is honoring the ban from the Capitol. Then all of a sudden, the district attorney of Nashville filed a criminal motion against Justin Jones, the student, for sending emails to the Speaker of the House, and even sending emails was against the court order. But here's the thing. Those emails that Justin sent were emails that he sent before the ban was issued. So that should be easy to clear up, right? Well, not really, because the emails have been altered by the Speaker of the House and his staff to look like they took place after the ban. And yesterday, a local news station literally confronted Tennessee's Speaker of the House and his chief of staff on it. And I want to play you that clip. All right, here it goes. Whether someone in the Tennessee House Speaker's office tried to frame a young activist. That investigation has also uncovered racist text messages sent by the Speaker's top aide. And now Nashville DA Glenn Funk is asking for a special prosecutor to take a look at this case. Good morning. Throughout this year's legislative session, Vanderbilt Divinity student Justin Jones has been a thorn in the side of House Speaker Glenn Cassida. Back in March, Jones was almost thrown in jail based on what may have been an altered email from Cassida's chief of staff. Justin Jones was among a group of protesters who have repeatedly challenged Republican policies throughout this legislative session. In late February, he was involved in an incident. 
in which a cup was thrown. Jones was arrested on assault charges. A judge ordered him to have no contact with Casada. Then a few days later, prosecutors threatened to lock him up for violating that order based on this picture of an email that Jones has supposedly sent on March 1st. The DA's office says that image came from Casada's chief of staff, Kate Cothran. But Jones says that email had actually been sent days before his arrest. You have some of the most powerful people in the state who are willing to file a false report and to file a false paperwork and to and to manipulate paperwork to take your freedom away. Like that is that's something that's scary. The speaker's reaction? I know nothing of that. How did that happen? I do not know nothing. I know nothing of that. Nothing. What about Cothran? How would he explain the email with the March 1st date? Did you send the altered email to the DA's office? Just a simple yes or no question. How did that email end up? at the DA's office. Were you trying to frame this young activist? If you want to defend yourself, now is the time. We also uncovered racist text messages from the speaker's chief of staff. You can read more about our investigation right now at newschannel5.com and our full investigation airs tonight. Not only did the speaker of the house and his staff altered the email from this young activist. They filed false reports, which is a crime, based on their altered emails and have been sending overtly racist text messages to one another. And their fraudulent actions could literally send a young man to jail. So let's take some action steps together today, all right? Action, 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 steps. Today I have three action steps for us to take, all right? Now, it's going to be best for action steps two and three if you do those on a Monday through Friday during business hours. But this first one you can do right now, you can do on the weekend, you can do 24 hours a day. The first action step is for TJ Hudson, the young man who was murdered in Maryland. Now, a petition has been created. It's almost at 15,000 signatures, so let's definitely push it past 15,000 signatures. A petition has been created to have the judge who failed to grant the order of protection in his case removed from the bench. We'll share the link to that petition on the Breakdown's Twitter account. I'll also share it on my personal account, and we'll send it out directly to all of you who are on our email list as well. But TJ's murderer not only had a violent history, but has had multiple protective orders filed against him in the past. Why was TJ's order denied? Not only that, but this judge in this case is currently being bounced around all over the state as Baltimore considers suspension for her for something altogether different. So if you can, read the petition, check it out, and consider signing it with us. Now, the next two action steps are for us to provide some support for the young activist Justin Jones in Nashville. Heads really need to roll, charges need to be filed, people need to lose their jobs, and really an investigation, a serious investigation needs to be launched into these criminal actions. The Speaker of the House in Nashville literally had his office falsify evidence to get a young black man sent to jail. So here's what we're going to do. Action steps. First, we need you to call the district attorney's office in Nashville and demand that they drop these bogus charges against the activist and organizer Justin Jones, who's the seminary student 
at uh, Vanderbilt Divinity School. The DA there is named Glenn Funk, and his phone number is this, and I'll repeat it. His phone number is 615-862-5500. That's 615-862-5500. That's the district attorney in Nashville. And I need you to call there. You can ask to speak to the district attorney himself, ask to speak to his assistant or an assistant district attorney, but let them know you want to speak to an actual person and leave a message requesting that they drop all of their bogus charges against the activist and organizer Justin Jones and instead need to file charges against the chief of staff for the House Speaker for falsifying these documents. The chief of staff's name is Cade Cothran. Let me spell that for you. Cade Cothran. C-A-D-E, Cade Cothran. C-O-T-H-R-E-N. And it was Cade Cothran who falsified the dates on the emails to make it look like Justin Jones violated the court order. So again, I'm going to repeat all this to you very quickly. We need you to call the district attorney's office in Nashville and demand that they drop the bogus charges against Justin Jones. The DA there is named Glenn Funk, and his phone number is 615-862-5500. And they need to drop these bogus charges and instead need to file charges against the chief of staff of the Speaker of the House for falsifying these documents, falsifying the dates on the emails, and that chief of staff's name is Cade Cothran. All right? Go ahead and do that. And then our last action step of the day is this. Let's bombard the Speaker of the House with phone calls and emails about this case, letting him know that we're standing on the side of Justin Jones. What they've done is shameful. The falsification of these documents is shameful. It's also shameful that his senior staffers are sending overtly racist emails to one another, literally calling black people the N-word, talking about black people are ignorant and dumb to one another. And heads need to roll. People need to be fired over this. So let's bombard the Speaker of the House with phone calls and emails. It's shameful, and he needs to hear from us. He needs to feel the pressure from us on this. He needs to fire his chief of staff, and he needs himself to publicly admit wrongdoing in this case. He also needs to explain these racist, bigoted emails coming from his senior staff. So let me give you all of his contact information, all right? Play it back, but we'll also tweet some of these things as well. But feel free to just go back 15 or 30 seconds to make sure you get it right. His name is Glenn Cassida, okay? And this is his email address. Speaker, S-P-E-A-K-E-R dot Glenn, G-L-E-N, not two N's, just one, speaker dot Glenn dot Cassida. C-A-S-A-D-A, that's speaker.glenn with one N, Cassada, C-A-S-A-D-A, at capital, that's C-A-P-I-T-O-L dot T-N dot gov. That's speaker.glenn dot Cassada at capital, that's capital with an O, dot T-N dot gov. You can call the speaker directly and do just what we did with the DA's office and what we've done on other cases before, insist on speaking with an actual person and let them know that he needs to fire his chief of staff, Cade Cothran, and needs to explain the racist text messages going on between his senior staff. And the phone number there is 
615-741-4389. Again, that's 615-741-4389. And if you're on Twitter, why don't you go ahead and start sending out some tweets to him directly. You can send tweets to the Speaker of the House in Tennessee, at Glenn Cassada. That's G-L-E-N-C-A-S-A-D-A, at Glenn Cassada. All right? Let's do these action steps today. I know it's going to make you feel better to get involved and jump in. It'll make me feel a lot better. And I'll be doing them right there with you, all right? Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. And if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast app you choose. Please share this podcast with your friends and family because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers and we're just not going to get there without you. And we're almost a little bit more than halfway there. That means we have about 49,000 subscribers to go and we're not going to be able to get there without you. Have you left a review yet? On Apple Podcasts now, we have over 5,000 five-star reviews, but we still want to hear from you. Just take a moment and leave your best review, all right? Now, of course, thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate all of you so very much. And if you love this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community. And you can do that today at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have our podcast, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Again, you can go to thenorthstar.com. Lastly, a shout out to our podcasting director and senior producer Willis for his hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody.